0: Okay, church, the scripture reading comes to us on this first Sunday of 2019 for the book of Colossians, four verses, chapter one, verses 28 and 29, and then we're going to look at chapter two, verses six and seven. As we launch this new series, why we do what we do. Today we're answering the question why Christ Central? Why Christ Central? So as our act of worship, let's give our attention. I'll read this for us. This is the word of God. Him, or Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And then chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore... As you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. This is God's word so far. Thanks be to God. Christ central, Christ central, you, me. We've existed officially for seven years. It's gone by in a blink of an eye, and the reason why Christ Central formed and became its own church, and the reason why Christ Central launched a worship service here in Fullerton was because of an unchanging vision, something that God has put upon our hearts, our desires, our prayers, our imagination, and dreams. Christ Central exists to see life change. This church exists at bottom root to see lives changed. Lives changed into the conformity or the likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we didn't make that up on our own. This is directed and handed down by the Spirit of God through Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, he phrases it this way. He works really, really hard with all the energy in him So that everyone might be presented mature in Christ, mature in Christ, or complete, perfected, fully like Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing that gives more glory to God. There's nothing that will outlast that or out-influence that change. Apostle Paul went about filled with the power and the energy of Christ's spirit so that each person, that you wouldn't just be introduced to Jesus Christ, that you wouldn't just begin your Christian life, that you wouldn't just be exposed to what the essence and the life and the joy and the peace that Jesus brings, no, but that you would fully grow up, lives changed to become just like Jesus Christ. That's our vision. That's why we exist. Now, lots of Christians, including myself, and lots of churches, in my opinion, in order to realize that vision, all churches who are biblically grounded are going to say, we want to be healthy and vibrant, that people change and become more like Jesus. They should. But the way to get there, how you go about doing that, how will you and I become more like Jesus Christ? That's a mission statement. That's the how. And even a lot of churchgoers and Christian believers who are young, you can, get, you can get very frustrated. You can get really distracted. Apostle Paul said you can become ineffective and impotent in becoming like Jesus Christ. If you don't pay attention to the how, if all you know is the vision, the what, and you don't know the how, It's impossible, really, because it's supernatural in how we become like Jesus Christ. But while it is supernatural, Apostle Paul spells it out in those first two verses. He says, I want to see everyone mature in Christ or life change become just like Jesus Christ. And then he tells us how. He tells us in two different ways. He said, him we proclaim. He says, I keep proclaiming and talking about and pointing people to Jesus. And then he says... I got to talk about and point people to Jesus with all wisdom, with all wisdom. And then he goes so far as to say that as a preacher or a missionary an apostle, he says, even as he's telling other people about Jesus Christ, he says, if Jesus Christ doesn't constantly supply me with energy and power and love, I'm going to burn out. I'm not going to make it. So there you have the mission statement in Paul's own personal life and ministry. Here it is. Here it is. Apostle Paul said he cannot tell other people about become more like Jesus and he is implying that apostle Paul himself would not become more like Jesus unless Jesus Christ is central to him and to everything in life Christ central exists to see lives humbled, exposed, changed, flipped upside down, marriages restored, addictions liberated, anger and despair brightened, peace instead of anxiety and stress, love replaces lust, generosity instead of insecurity and hoarding. How? How do we want to see life change? Only as Christ Jesus. Remains central and he becomes central to everything. That's what we're about. That's what gets my heart flowing, my blood pumping. This is what we're about. This is what we pray and want to be. And the how, as Christ central becomes central to everything, that's what we're trying to do with all wisdom. Show and teach and apply how Jesus is central to every area of life. There's a pastor by the name of Joey Novinson who I think described it best of what Christ-likeness looks like. You know, in case we want to measure, well, how are we doing? Are we doing this? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Is Christ Central achieving its vision by cooperating with God's mission? Here's how Joey Novinson over in Tennessee explains what Christ-likeness looks like. Quote, socially serving, personally whole, Relationally loving, economically generous, powerfully sacrificial, enemy welcoming, racially honoring, spiritually humble, sexually pure, psychological peaceful lifestyle. God birthed Christ Central to see lives changed and come to its completion and to its conformity in Jesus Christ. How? How? As Jesus Christ becomes central in all those areas of life that we just mentioned. This is just some of them. Now, some of you might think that's impossible. This is idealistic. It's elitist. Most of us are gonna be tempted to revert back to, well, how do I become like all that? Try really hard. More religious devotion? Does it have to do something with my lineage, my DNA, education, smarts, theological smarts? How about New Year's resolutions? No, our aim today, our aim today is to really unpack and recenter our lives on Jesus Christ as we begin 2019. Our aim today is how do you and I become more like Jesus, not less like Jesus in this year? Because I'll tell you, it is very possible, it's actually very trendy, to start with Jesus, you fall into the loving arms of Jesus, but then you think he dropped you off someday, and now you're all on your own. It is very tempting and possible that even Christian people start off right, begin with grace, begin with the amazing grace we have found in Jesus Christ, and then just fall back to our fleshly works. Entire churches, movements, books, cultures, preachers, leaders, elders, churches can actually get so distracted and deluded and hardened that we fail to keep Christ central. In other words, we don't keep the main thing, the main thing. Do you you know how I know for certain this happens a lot? Because the Colossians did it, the Galatians did it, and they had Apostle Paul. As soon as Jesus Christ fails or gets stale to you, he is no longer central. He's not invading with all wisdom every area of life. You at that point will cease to grow and change and become just like Jesus Christ, which is the vision of God for us. So today we're just going to try to be aware, as an early church father by the name of Tertullian once observed, As Jesus Christ was crucified between two thieves, so the gospel is always crucified between two opposite errors. So I'm just gonna talk about two opposite thieves or two opposite theological thieves and then one internal threat that gets in the way of keeping Christ central so that we would become more like Christ. Thief number one. Here's how Apostle Paul describes in chapter two, verse 16. Which we did not read. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. The first thief I would call is legalism. Legalism that is an effort to achieve righteousness and acceptance before God through law keeping legalism is the culture and the mindset and behavior in which you think you can be righteous and acceptable before a holy, perfect God through keeping the laws of God. But when you fall into legalism, you never just end with the laws of God. You will make up new ones, and you'll include man-made laws. To the Colossians, Apostle Paul is calling out and critiquing, you guys got all these new laws uh, with new moons and holidays and Worship of angels, and you're getting very legalistic about even food and drink. And he talks about other practices, which I would call superstitions. You know what superstitions are? Superstitions are practices that you cannot give up, but they are not substantiated by the Holy Scriptures. To the Colossians, they started, well... It was really easy and electrifying, falling into the arms of Jesus. And then they basically just thought Jesus dropped them off and they had to go back to, well, let's just come up with all these laws in order to become truly spiritual and righteous. Well, in Apostle Paul's assessment, with all legalism, with all legalism, do you know what this is going to prevent you from? Verse 19, chapter 2. If you're legalistic, you will not be holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. Apostle Paul infallibly tells us if you get legalistic, you're not going to be connected and holding fast to the head of the church who nourishes and energizes all the parts of his body to grow anyways. Legalism is a dead end. In fact, it's a totally counterproductive dead end. You know, my college experience in my freshman year, I went to a certain church that at the retreat, a lady stood up and preached from a certain passage of the Bible, but she just kind of made it her own thing and told all the gals, all the gals of the freshman class, if you really want to be godly, you all have to cut your hair. I was just sitting there wasn't the shock. I was like, thank God I'm a guy. And I was sitting next to a good friend of mine who grew up through high school, and I've confessed it before, my wife's okay. I've always admired her hair. (laughs) It's like really good shampoo or conditioner. I just thought her hair was really fluffy and looks healthy and vibrant and shiny. And I was like, you're not going to do that, are you? Next week, she cut her hair. I was appalled. I was distraught. That was such beautiful hair. And the line of thinking was that gals who kept long hair are flirtatious. And you're not really spiritually minded, so therefore, all must cut it. Pay attention. Not only is that not scriptural, it's a new law that a church came up with, it's not even helpful. Because Apostle Paul concludes this section where he kind of goes off on how legalism disconnects you from the head. And here's his conclusion in verse 23, chapter 2. These legalistic practices and laws have indeed an appearance of wisdom. Right? Isn't this so tricky? Isn't this so tricky? People who get really legalistic, they actually seem really sophisticated and very spiritual. He calls it out and says, it has an appearance that you're being wise. In promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. (sighs) That's a crushing conclusion. Paul is saying legalistic practices and beliefs give you no power over your sinful flesh. It makes you more impotent. It's self-frustrating and self-defeating. And it actually breeds more pride. Do you know how you know if you might be a legalist? I'm a gospel repenting, gospel recovering legalist. If you grew up in church, especially of a Confucian Asian kind, there's no way you did not fall into this. Do you know how you might be a legalist today? Well, just take for instance, worship. A few of you came on time and prayerfully prepared and really wanted to sing praise to God. A few of you might be really, quote, unquote, into worship today. You're like, you feel it. You raise your head high, even your hand sometimes. You might even clap. Wow, you're brave. And why do you feel like you can be into worship today? Well, it's because you had a good first five days of 2019 and you look back on 2018. That was a fantastic year for you that was a great year. Others of you barely made it to church today. I'm glad you make it at any time, really. And you're not feeling it. You're not really into worship today. Why would that be? Because 2018 might have been one of your worst years. Morally, sexually, financially, relationally, self-control. The first five days of 2019 have already been like, oh, here we go again. I might just not even try. And so you feel bad, and so you don't really engage in worship. Can I ask you a question, my friend? Why do some of you in this room feel like you can really be into worship and others of you feel like you're out of worship? What are you basing your acceptance on? See, what's your confidence in? Your confidence in acceptance, if it's upon your record, if it's upon your performance, I'm telling you, you've already been disconnected from the centrality of Christ. If you're falling back to law-keeping, how you've kept it, you'll feel proud and into worship. If you've not kept it, you're going to be just, just despairing and out of it. Here's what Apostle Paul says. Here's what Apostle Paul says. The gospel is that Christ Jesus was crucified between two thieves. But he crucified so that he could reconcile people who were good and bad, both. So that you would be without any enmity or hostility. There's no barrier between you and God. Is your acceptance, is your standing before God today upon the record and the performance of someone else, a savior, or is it upon your own? That's what legalism boils down to, your record keeping of your own religious performance. That's how legalism shows up. Here's a second way that legalism shows up, not only in how you worship, but it's also really going to show up in how you treat other people how you view and think and talk about other people. And then, of course, how you treat them. Do you notice how Apostle Paul leads by verse 16 says, therefore let no one pass judgment. This is how legalism shows up in relationships. You see, you're very judgy. You're very critical. You have a very narrow conscience. Everything's black and white. When the Bible does not say that's black and white. You're hypercritical. And you know what? You're not even critical and judgmental of a non-believing world. You're really hyper-critical of other Christians because they're not as legalistic as you. And I'll tell you, my friend, this thief, this thief number one, is going to deprive you of all joy. And in fact, it's going to ruin your witness. It's going to ruin your witness. Can I speak for our non-believing friends in this room? Anyone who's come? For our non-believing friends, what they really need to see and what they need to get close to is Jesus, not the legalistic version of Jesus. The true gospel brings about a savior who will save you, not because you keep and perform the laws, but because a new law has come and set us free. So this is the first thief. It's a legalist. Legalism. Here's a second thief. As Tertullian observed, there's two opposite thieves that were crucified next to jesus the second is not mentioned here in colossians but it's mentioned everywhere else in paul's letters it's licentiousness if legalism is trying to attain righteousness and acceptance before god through law keeping licentiousness is i will be a law unto myself licentiousness now i will live it up i will live as i want i will do as i please that's the licentious thief Paul knows exactly, though, what young believers might do with the free and unconditional, amazing grace and salvation that is to be found in Jesus Christ. He knows what we would do with that. Some of us just might run wild and become licentious. And so he wrote all these letters where he is clearly and explicitly and repeatedly for certain things and completely against other things. It's not like when you are first loved by Jesus, you can just go off and do whatever you want. False, pretentious love. False, pretentious love. You say, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Well, you're being pretentious about that love. When deep in your heart, you say, I love you, but I'm still going to live as I please. I'm still going to do what I want. Real, true, genuine love says, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. And therefore, I actually want to do as you please. I want to adjust. I want to sacrifice. I want to repent. I want to conform. I want to do as you please and do what you want. Thief number two of licentiousness is the lie. Because Jesus loves me as I am, I can just stay as I am. I can do what I want. But the true gospel of grace, what Jesus brings, breeds a spirit in his people where we say, because Jesus loves me just as I am, I do not want to stay just as I am, and I want to do what he wants and what pleases him. Or else you're really not in love. You're really, really not in love until your spirit and attitude changes into, well, well, I don't want to just do what I want and live any way I please. I want to do what you want and do what pleases you. You know, over this new year, this verse that just really struck my heart, a chord is in the middle of a book of lamentations. Lamentations, there you go. Weeping, grieving, it's like perfect for midlife people. And right there in chapter 3, there's this lightning bolt of redemption and hope and joy that just Bursts out of the pages. It goes like this. His steadfast love. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I would sing it, but it wouldn't bless you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. Because the love of Jesus for you never changes. My friend, listen. Because Jesus cannot love you more or less based on your record or performance or morality that love will definitely change you for good you guys know I'm a diehard los angeles dodger fan daddy loves certain things it just takes a lot of time for dad's loves become the daughter's loves taylor has seen the light She now is excited about the Los Angeles Dodgers. Went to a playoff game because of one of your generosity. She loves it because of the cotton candy and the hot dogs. She got spoiled at that game. Now she's excited about maybe possibly visiting their spring training. This is like, this is daddy's dream. (laughs) It's just like, God, thank you. My daughter got confirmed, but this one liking Dodgers might be right up there too, real close. Because my love will bring new laws, new laws. But this law happens to bring a lifetime of anxiety and disappointment. If you're gonna become a Dodger fan. That's only the love of Jesus will set you free, by the way. But recently I discovered why Taylor became a Dodger fan. Because he happened to have a young outfielder by the name of Chris Taylor. She's not so narcissistic that's because she has the same name. But I saw Chris Taylor. The guy looks like a model. He's hot. Very good looking. I don't care what it takes, though. <laughs> She's going to start loving things that I love. <laughs> My friend, this year, this year, you still going to talk and smell and look like and act like a person who Just doesn't love Jesus? Licentiousness is the lie. Utter lie. It's a fake gospel. That somehow you can just say a lot of things that are theologically precise and right. Oh, Jesus is central. But in no area of your life can we find that Jesus has taken over. These are two opposite thieves. Here's the third An internal threat, which might be the most insidious in common. I'd call it a loveless heart. I'd call it a loveless heart. Uh, Your heart becomes old, it gets stale, it gets hardened. Becomes indifferent, just cold. A loveless heart can disconnect you from the centrality of Jesus Christ as any theological error out there. And despite your outward confessions or songs or creeds that Jesus so captivates your heart, inside your heart, there aren't really any real affections for him. And this happens because we get so tired, so obsessed, so preoccupied, so beaten down by life, by work, the pace of work, the stress or the craziness of work. Some of you, just might be your health. I feel for a lot of you in this room, as I was reminded on Christmas Sunday, it's your life stage. When you have children at that certain age, It is really hard to feel you can survive and still be connected to Jesus Christ. We get so distracted by income, profitability, success. What's your New Year's goal? How are you going to get bigger, brighter, and better? Most of us in this room just want to be accepted. We want to be approved. You want a good reputation. A lot of us want financial security and early retirement. Everyone in this room wants to be accepted and loved and approved by God. But once again, my friends, you can start off so well and begin by grace, but then fall back to how good you are. Apostle Paul argues it in multiple different ways throughout his letters. You having begun by faith, who has bewitched you? Who has utterly brainwashed you? Well, it's the world and Satan in your flesh. Who has told you that if you started by faith in his grace, when did you start going back to works? And no matter what you've been saying or trying to sing, deep down in your hearts, this has become like the Grinch or the Tin Man. It's stone cold dead in here. You cannot go on living this way. Take it from me. You'll get really sick. You're going to fall dramatically away from sin, into sin, or just completely lose and give up the faith. No one can go on this way. So how? How can we recover? If you are a believer now, how can we recover and keep Christ central so that we will continue to grow? That is from God and experience life change into the full likeness of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, which is the hinge pin of this entire letter. Here's how Paul tells us. Here it is. Just as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. That's how we are going to fulfill our vision if we pay attention to the mission of Christ central, become central to everything. Here it is. Just as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Why did you use that language? Just as you received. He wants you to remember something. Recall, recall. Remember the first come to Jesus moment you had. I'm not saying it has to be so dramatic, but there is some first come to Jesus moment without which you have to question and really get straight whether you are a genuine Christian believer. Well, Paul is saying, remember what that was like? Do you Remember? Do you remember how you first came to Jesus? Did you come to him because of your degrees? You graduated from that school? Did you come to Jesus because you got your dream job, dream house, dream spouse? Did you come to Jesus because of your awards? Did you come to Jesus because of your good works? Did you come to Jesus with like your customized clothes and cars, all the right looks and all the right connections? Is that how you first came to Jesus? None of us came that way. Or else you never came to Jesus. You came the way that Augustus' top lady once penned in that famous hymn. I don't know who can put it better. This is how you first come to Jesus. Not the labors of my hands. Not the labors of my hands could fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. In third grade, my first come to Jesus moment, much like your first come to Jesus moment, was when we realized we were helpless, addicted to sin, myself, we were trapped, we're on a road guaranteed to the kingdom of darkness and evil. And we probably got on our knees and cried and prayed desperately for Jesus to come and save me from myself, from the corruptions of this world, and from the evil one in eternal damnation. That's how you first came. Paul says, remember what that was like. And then so walk in him. Here's what he means. Here's what I think he means. Remember and repeat. Remember and repeat. So walk in him. The same spirit with which you first received Christ Jesus as Lord is the same spirit with which You should and must continue in the Lord to grow in grace. Remember and repeat. Walk in Him. Thank God this passage here does not say run or sprint in Him. I can't. Regular, steady, and natural part of life. And can I tell you, my friends? this will change you more than anything else? I'm not against New Year's resolutions. Not at all. But what might change you more than New Year's resolutions are repetitions and rhythms. My friend this year, can you just do something regular? You don't have to be so radical. Can you do something on repeat, 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 remember and repeat, rather than say, oh, I want to go and just do something so grand, but once a year? Every year so much changes. Your pastor here says 2018 was quite a doozy, turbulent. I felt weary. I felt worn down on this one. Ended well by the faithfulness and grace of God and since that his mercies are new every morning as love never ceases into 2019. So much changes. Our president changed. Our laws changed. My body changes. Your kids change. Your car changes. Your house changes. Your grind, Everything changes. So do you. The only question is, have you, have you changed to become more like Christ or less? Legendary Bruce Lee once said, at least according to social media, so it's attributed to him, that he was not afraid of a person who practices 10,000 kicks. Bruce Lee was not afraid of a person who knew and practiced 10,000 kicks, but he was deathly afraid of a person who practiced one kick 10,000 times. Remember and repeat. The spirit with which I first came to Jesus Christ, humbled to the dust, crying over my failures, thinking I should not have mercy, and I had to just fall and throw my life into the loving arms of Jesus, those redemptive, saving arms. That is the same spirit that God wants me to continue to walk in. Remember when Peter got out of the boat and he tried to start walking on water because he saw Jesus perform the miracle of walking on water. And in the beginning, he started well. He started to walk on water. But as I read the text more and more, I think this is what happened. He started off well, and then, just like you and me, he started to look down at the water. (laughs) Started to look at the wind and the waves. Started to look at his present circumstance and conditions. Even worse, I think what Peter did was he started to look down and he started to look back into his own heart. Oh, the condition of his own faith or the condition of his own strength, the condition of his own New Year's resolutions or determination. No, 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 no. In my hopefully sanctified imagination, what the gospel keeps telling me, I think what Jesus really was trying to tell Peter, Peter, hey, 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 Peter, 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 look, look up. Stop looking down. Stop looking in. Look up here. Look outward. Just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at Jesus as central. And the way that Apostle Paul says what will happen in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 is this. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Remember and repeat, as you received Christ Jesus, so now walk in him. God and the gospel of Jesus Christ has a great sense of humor. It really does. Grace will give you humor. And the sense of humor is this Do you know that as a Christian person, no matter how long, how far, or how deep and how profound and pervasive your growth in Jesus Christ happens to be, no matter how many areas of life Jesus Christ has taken over as central, and we can evidently see it in your purity, your humility, in your generosity in your peacefulness. Praise be to God. But even the most mature person in this room, the sense of humor is, you never get past the first day. None of us get past the first day. When I first fell into the arms of Jesus to save me. He would take a wretched sinner who lives for himself, And he would show me that he lived and died for me and rose again for me so that I could live for him. Remember and repeat. Because Jesus Christ is central to all of creation, to its continuation and its consummation. Physical, scientific, and invisible spiritual life. That's Apostle Paul's little thesis in chapter 1, verses 15. Jesus is central to all of life throughout the cosmos its continuation, and its perfection. So how about you? How about me? How about his church? Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we begin 2019 in worship, we ask that you would expose and bring down two thieves that rob our joy that rob our security, that rob our witness, and that actually rob us from the love of Jesus Christ by trying to live the way that I please. And Lord, even now, I pray that you would breathe new life, a beating, love-pumping heart out of coldness and distraction and hardness. May the gospel of Jesus Shine like new. And may we walk in him. Oh, Lord, hear us as we pray. Let me give you these couple minutes as we have some time. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And would you join me in a prayer today? Remember what it was like. Do you remember what it was like? Now repeat. Repeat. And for some of you in this room who have never come to Jesus, you've never had a come-to-Jesus moment, this is for you. Do not delay. Do not delay. Do not make any excuses that you could wait on this. Christ Jesus made you. He made the whole world. He knows you better than yourself. Give your life to him. He came to die for you. He loved you to the point of his own sacrificial death. Come to him, fall into his arms. He will love you, forgive you of all your sin. Ask him to come into your life, have him take over. Ask him to be central and to make you more like him. This will be the start of a forever new life for you. Let's pray. Let's pray these moments together.